Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Again, if you missed the first hour of Mornings with Carmen, you um, can go back and listen to it at MyFaithRadio.com. You can listen to it on the Faith Radio app. It's a full rebroadcast, and so a great opportunity for you to catch up on what you may have missed in our conversations with Dean and Sarah and Daniel Bennett. Yeah, and welcome to um, Hour 2. I know you don't think of it as Hour 2 if this is when you're listening, but, you know, for me, it's Hour 2. So, hello. I'm so glad you're here. I'm Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen, um, and this is Faith Radio. And we have tons of stuff going on, and if you're not aware of the website and all of the great um, things available to you, like a verse of the day, um, an opportunity to um, engage with other people in studying Scripture together, events like Set Apart, which is happening this weekend on the campus of the University of Northwestern St. Paul. But if you can't attend physically, we still have virtual ways for you to attend. All of that uh, you can connect with at MyFaithRadio.com. Many of you have been checking in on a regular basis during the month of February because we have been in our Reading the Bible Together series, and we've been reading through the book of Acts. Today's the last day of February, so we are in chapter 28 of the book of Acts. And I heard from a listener, um, her name is Anne, and she says, our church started a series on the book of Acts last fall. And so I read the whole book then and then reread it again now with Faith Radio. And she started to pray the scripture, um, specifically praying Acts 26, verses 17 and 18. And she says, I've been praying it for prodigals who I know. I'm also now praying it for President Putin. And so this is um, this is Anne's prayer that she's been lifting up from Acts 26, 17, and 18. This is a great way to pray the scriptures and pray the news. Father in heaven, I ask that you open his eyes and turn him from darkness to light. Open his eyes and move him from the power of, of Satan to the power of Christ. Open his eyes so he may receive forgiveness of sins. That is a beautiful way to take the Word of God and apply it uh, to the matters of our day and to do so in prayer. I love that. So if you're wondering where in the Word is Carmen today, well, it is the 28th day of February, and so I am in Acts 28, the final day of our Reading Through the Bible series in the book of Acts together. You can, if you've missed any portion or part of it, you can go back to MyFaithRadio.com. You can download the series notes, the study guide. You could listen to the entire podcast series. Um, It's under the podcast tab at MyFaithRadio.com. And again, it's the reading through the Bible series. And this one has been um, through the book of Acts. So in Acts 28, we uh, we arrive at the final chapter of Luke's chronicling, uh, putting things in order here. You remember that the book of Acts is a follow-on to the Gospel of Luke. And he says here that we, um, after we were brought safely through, which means you have to know what happened in Acts 
well, 26 and 27, to really understand what's happening in Acts 28. Um, But they have um, landed, uh, well, shipwrecked, on uh, an island called Malta. And the people there were very kind to them. Um, They built a fire. Paul, you know, being a good guest, went out to gather a bundle of sticks as well and put them in the fire. But when he gathered that bundle of sticks, um, he was uh, bitten by a snake, a viper, so a poisonous snake. And um, you and I both know, because we know that that's not how Paul died, um, nor did he die on Malta. We know this is not going to be the end of the story, but the people of Malta did not know that. And so they thought, well, this is, you know, this is justice. Justice, he escaped from the sea, but justice has followed him to to our our, our island. And now justice is getting him um, through the through the snake bite. But Paul never swelled up and he never died. And so then they decided, they changed their minds, Luke says, and decided that he was a god which you all and I also know not true of Paul. So he has the opportunity to proclaim the gospel on Malta. Eventually, they um, set sail for Rome. They arrive in Rome. I think it's a good reminder, really good reminder um, in verse um, 16 of Acts 28, where it says that, um, you know, uh, when we came to Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. Good reminder that Paul is headed to Rome because he has appealed to Caesar as a Roman citizen. So you would want to, you know, think back in your reading to why is Paul a prisoner? Why is he uh, going to Rome? Under what circumstances does he get to appeal to Caesar? All of that we learn in earlier chapters in in Acts. And so I think those are all good reminders there. It's a fantastic um, chapter. It ends with, you know, as the big summation to the entire book. Luke says this in the walk-off verses of the book of Acts. He lived there, he's talking about Paul, two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him. Remember, he's like under house arrest, um, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ and with all boldness and without hindrance. Luke chooses to end the book of Acts there. Um, And I'm not suggesting that Luke doesn't know that Paul died in Rome as a martyr. Um, I'm not suggesting that Paul, that Luke doesn't know exactly how Paul died, but we don't have that testimony here. So you might ask yourself, why does Luke not include the martyrdom of Paul at the end of the book of Acts? Like, is there some reason for that? Um, has it not happened yet? That's possible. Um, so it, it, just ask yourself some of those questions. And tradition holds that Paul was beheaded in Rome, possibly uh, following the great fire that led to Nero's persecution of the Christians there. Um, we can say with confidence that Luke wants us to know that the gospel continues to advance. It has advanced at this point from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria. It has reached the extent of the Roman Empire all the way to Rome, all the way to Caesar. And I think Luke wants us to know that the Great Commission is now in our hands today, that we would be people actively proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance in the spirit of Paul and many others, right? You and I are the witnesses today, advancing the gospel always and in all ways. All right, we are going to talk with Dr. Linda Mental this morning. She has a great podcast up from this weekend from the Dr. Linda Mental show um, on fears that hold us back. So I'm going to ask her about that. But I'm also going to ask her about how we deal with people who act in extreme anger um, and what's going on in the hearts of our neighbors who are behaving terribly badly in the culture today. Dr. Linda Mental up next.
You have asked me to. Hey, good morning. Brand new listener, Lori in Farmington. Hey, hey, hey. I love it. I love that um, Jim invited you to listen. So thank you, Jim, for being a missionary of the program. And good morning, Lori in Farmington. I love that. All right. Also, good morning this morning to Dr. Linda Mental. You can listen to what she covered over the weekend in the Dr. Linda Mental show here on the Faith Radio Network, just go to MyFaithRadio.com and grab not only that show, but the show notes, Fears That Hold Us Back. It's really, really excellent. Linda, welcome back. Good morning. Hey, it's great to talk with you again, and welcome, Lori. I'll say that, too, as well. So <laughs> fun, right? Definitely. Yeah. It's great to have you. Um, so, Linda, I wanted to talk with you about, like, just the ways in which anger is being expressed so publicly in the culture today. People seem completely uninhibited to just act in rage toward one another. Um, the headline that caught my attention was out of Utah, but um, where a dad at a McDonald's drive through was so angry that his order was wrong that uh, he handed his four-year-old son a gun. And after the McDonald's people called the cops, the four-year-old shot at the police because that's what his dad had instructed him to do. So, I mean, there's so many layers to this story that it's just, right. but it it led me to say, okay, We've reached the crazy point, and maybe Linda can help us find our way into a conversation about dealing with people who are acting in, like, crazy anger. Well, there, there, there was it was a really disturbing story, and I actually was going to blog on that because what was even more disturbing to me was that a, it, the child was a four-year-old who shot at the police, but his three-year-old sibling was right next to him as well, and you know, that you have to start thinking, where did the child learn that? How did that happen that a child knew to hold a gun, to shoot a gun and to shoot at police? And the the story, at least the reporting of the story was that the father instructed him. So obviously a lot of anger, an incorrect order. I mean, we're seeing this more and more, Carmen, where <clears throat> road rage has been around, airplane rage. I was flying this weekend. I sat next to a flight attendant and um I said, oh, so they have the no alcohol rule still in the coach. And she said, we have to. People are so unhinged that you would not believe the things that I deal with in the airplane when people, one little thing happens or the masks and the all the things that are required of people today. So it appears that people are more and more at a boiling point. I think one of the, the contributors is obviously the the pandemic, which has been going on now for two years was looking at my my timeline and it was two years since I had been um, in a, on a you know on a trip in New York City. Mm. It was the last time I went anywhere, and um, it, it really is after two years of all these uncertainty. Uncertainty is a big trigger for people. Not everybody knows how to regulate their emotions, and so when there's uncertainty and unpredictability and chronic stress and it begins to build in people's lives, and they really don't know how to regulate those emotions. And they've learned from um, their parents uh, how to express emotions. So part of what we're seeing with that young child is that that child had to be brought up in a family where he saw his father become unhinged because children learn what they see modeled in the home and imitation. You know, they imitate that behavior. And in this case, the child was even instructed to be violent. So there is a lot going on in the culture, and there's a lot of what we call social contagion 
So the more you see anger, the more you express anger, the more contagious that is. And we see it just popping up in all these different places because people are reacting to that social contagion, that uncertainty, that stress that's chronic, and then they don't know how to regulate their emotions. We're going to continue um, talking about the challenges that we face in a culture where many, many people um, are just acting out in in anger in ways that, um, you know, obviously doesn't just hurt them and those around them, but, you know, it hurts us as a people. So we're going to we're going to talk with Dr. Linda Mental uh, about what we can do in response, maybe how we can um, bring the temperature down in the culture around us um, and remind us how to regulate our own emotions. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Continuing our conversation with Dr. Linda Mental, you can find her at drlindamental.com. You can also find um, her radio show here at myfaithradio.com this past weekend. Um, the show is about fears that hold us back, uh, and you can find it posted at MyFaithRadio.com along with the show notes. Just really excellent conversation topic. We're talking today with her about anger. Um, Linda, let's talk about ways we can control our anger, um, which is something that folks can find at DrLindaMental.com as well, a, a full list of those. Um, is there actually a way to sort of like gauge where I'm at in terms of my anger and how I deal with it? Well, yeah, there, I mean, certainly you can look at, you know, when you feel angry and it's not wrong to feel anger. So that is not a problem. It's what you do with it and how well you control it and how quickly you get rid of it. It's interesting in the Bible that it talks a lot about get rid of it quickly. I wrote this little tiny booklet that's been very well received called Breaking Free from Anger and Unforgiveness. It's like pocket size and it's, it's like a dollar 99 or something on the web. And it really has, it has biblical instructions uh, in terms of anger. And then I tie that obviously to the psychological pieces for people. But one of the things about anger is that when you have it, you have to keep it from escalating and you have to keep other people from escalating. So we have a lot of anger in our culture as we've been talking about. One of the best, best things you can do, Carmen, is just stay calm. Don't, don't re, uh, reflect that anger back. So keep your anger uh, down at a level where you're not mirroring the other person. Because when you start to escalate anger, terrible things happen. So one of the keys is to acknowledge that you have anger. Okay, I have anger, but what am I reacting to? And one of the reasons we get angry so often is we get offended so often. And the scripture talks about that repeatedly, that we're not to be, you know, we're not to hang on to offense, that we're to easily, quickly forgive people. It's not always so easy, but to quickly forgive people and let go of the offense. Because if you hang on to offenses and if you hang on to injustice, which is real, uh, at times. But if you hang on to that feeling, it's just going to fester in you and it's going to escalate and it's going to somehow come out. It's almost like you think of a balloon that's blown up. And if you just suddenly let go of that balloon, it gets out of control. But if you let go of the lip of that balloon, slowly the anger comes out and that process isn't so out of control. So you can acknowledge your anger and realize that you're feeling angry, but then you have to quickly let it go. And Again, this is interesting that the Bible says don't vent your anger, 
Well, finally, psychological research has caught up and says, oh, when people vent their anger, it actually makes their anger worse rather than better. So for years, we were telling people, go ahead, vent your anger, you know, hit a pillow, get a punching bag, do something. But that actually makes your anger even more escalated. So again, it's better just to let go of that anger. You can redirect yourself into a physical activity like running or doing something. But the brain does best when you distract away from it. So if you're feeling like you're really, really getting angry about something and you know it's going to cause problems, start to think of something else. Count backwards from 10, count in a different language, think of three cities that begin with M. Do something that will take your brain away because what happens when you get so angry is that the part of your brain that's the thinking part gets hijacked and it doesn't function very well. And so the feeling part of the brain takes over. When you do a distraction technique, you can get that part of the brain that thinks back into gear and helping you again. So that is a real key to take a pause, try to distract yourself, do some deep breathing to calm down your physical body so that you're not um, you know, reacting at the moment and you're calming your body and then you're calming your voice and then pray if you need to pray. At that moment, if you're saying, I'm just so angry, God, he hears the anger, but prayer will calm you down as well. And then obviously connecting with God, the Holy Spirit in you is going to help you with that self-control that is one of the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, I like the um, not only helping me to identify that I'm angry and that's not wrong. No. But I can't, I can't press it down or ignore it and act like it's not there. I actually do have to process through it. I liked mm-hmm. how you were giving us some strategies, some like actual, I mean, you do this as well when I'm like tempted to grab a cookie every time I pass through the kitchen, right? You're like, just count to 20 or just focus yeah. on something else. Is this a similar list like to, to the other sort of negative temptations that I'm always fighting in my life? Yeah, I think it, it's, a, it's a practice, right? It's self-control. Mm. It's practicing regulating your emotions. And we're so quick to react. And I think social media has really fueled that, obviously, because you can react to people and you can say terrible things and you never have to face that person and you don't have to face the consequences of what you've done. So you, this, this sort of let it out like a loose balloon, you know, just let it go and let it fly all over the place is being reinforced and reinforced in people as they get onto these platforms and they just let go. And part of what we're losing is this self-control that, again, the Holy Spirit is there. Love is the, you know, the key there with the fruit of the Spirit being uh, a consequence of love. And so doing the things that are instructed, this anger instruction is in the Bible. It's don't give vent to it. Don't take revenge on people. Don't let it stay with you overnight and fester and do all these things. Get at the underlying cause of what, why are you so angry? A lot of times it's our thoughts and our expectations. I didn't deserve that. Or how dare they? Or, you know, I'm really hurt, but I don't want to feel vulnerable. So I'm going to take it out on somebody and be powerful. So people would rather feel powerful than vulnerable. And usually I I say this in therapy all the time, behind the anger is usually a helpless feeling, a vulnerable feeling that you're trying really hard not to feel. So if you can get at the root of that and go, why am I constantly triggered in that situation? Is it a feeling that I'm having from something in the past? Is it a thought that I'm having? 
which is why scripture tells us to take our thoughts captive because we have to look at those thoughts and decide if they're good and true thoughts or decide that we have to line our thoughts up with scripture and allow the Holy Spirit to calm us down. So it's a regulation process. And part of what we're seeing in our culture today is a lack of self-regulation. And part of that is because you need the Holy Spirit in you to really help you with these things. But you're right. It's the same thing in in some ways of of mindless eating, which, by the way, is our show this weekend coming up, is on mindless eating. Yeah, so a lot of these, these keys will be there in terms of distraction, how you calm your body, you don't allow yourself to engage in that behavior. And distraction is a good thing to do. All right, not that you need an assignment, but <laughs> but when you were talking about practicing regulating our emotions and self-control and, you know, you you said, um, you know, it's not, uh, you're not just going to, like, let it go like this is. So the Frozen soundtrack is wrong is what you're telling me. Yeah, Frozen's well. let it go, let it go. That's not the right way to go. So here's the assignment. Well, offense, because the, offense. because yeah, I would the, for offense, you should let it go. Let exactly. go of the offense. Yeah. The the song that has replaced Let It Go as like the all time most popular um, song out there, like it's played obsessively now, is called We Don't Talk About Bruno. And it's from the Encanto soundtrack. And so your new assignment, should you agree to take it, is to give us a little um, reflection on the Encanto song We Don't Talk About Bruno. I think you're going to love it. If you haven't seen Encanto, I actually think that you're going to love it. Um, And it gives us all kinds of opportunities to talk about family relationships and expectations and how we treat one another. And anyway, there you go. Because you probably haven't watched a good animated film lately. I have not seen that and I've not heard Mm -hmm. the soundtrack. So now I do have an assignment. But the assignment. We don't talk about Bruno. No, no, no. There you go. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Bruno. Let's get at the root of the problem. Totally. I'm putting that in. I'm putting that. I'm teeing that up. That's Dr. Linda Mental. You can find her on the Dr. Linda Mental show. You can find her at drlindamental.com or maybe sitting in her living room tonight watching Encanto because I've made an assignment. All right, you're listening to Mornings with Carmen. This is Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Surely you can hear, he will hold me fast. And maybe you are singing it with our Ukrainian brothers and sisters today. We sang it yesterday in the worship service where I attended. Um, We are a a singing people when it comes to being people of faith. And so just wonder what the soundtrack of, um, of your songs are these days. You can always text me. I'm at 877-933-2484. This is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is the Faith Radio Network. We're bringing the mind of Christ to bear on the challenges and issues of our day. Um, And again, a shout out to brand new listener Lori in Farmington. And then for the person who followed up and said, like, Farmington where? Because apparently there's a Farmington in Arkansas. There's one in California, Connecticut. I think that's the one where she's listening. But there's a Farmington in Delaware, in Georgia, in Kentucky, on and on and on. There's like a half a dozen Farmingtons in Wisconsin. If you're listening um, in Farmington, Wisconsin today, you could be in Jefferson County or La Crosse County, Polk County, Washington County. I don't even know how to pronounce this. Wapaka County. There you go. Or in a community in Wisconsin named Farmington that's unincorporated. Yeah. 
I live in an unincorporated area as well. Um, and I live on a farm, so maybe I'm coming to you from Farmington, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. It's possible. Um, so we are going to continue our conversation this morning about what's going on in Ukraine. Dr. Rick Morton is going to join us. He's with an organization called Lifeline Christian Services. But maybe more importantly, he's a dad to three Ukrainian adopted kids. He's going to talk with us about what's going on in Ukraine and how we as Christians can respond. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Joining us now, uh, Rick Morton. He is the Vice President of Engagement for Lifeline uh, Children's Services. You can find them at lifelinechild.org. Rick, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Carmen, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be with you this morning. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself. There's a particular reason we're talking with you as a dad today. And then I also want you to tell people how um, Lifeline Children's uh, Services is engaged in Ukraine and and how folks can help. Because a lot of people want to know, like, who's there doing something and how can I help? Yeah, Carmen, our uh, our lives as a family have been wrapped up around Ukraine for the last 19 years. Um, the Lord led us to adopt three children. Uh, our first came home uh, about 19 years ago, and uh, and we've just had this really ongoing relationship. I think I counted as the conflict began. I've been in Ukraine 26 times over the last 19 years, um, serving orphans, uh, teaching church planters at Kiev Theological Seminary, uh, just in a, in a variety of, of ways. And, and we, uh, we certainly feel the weight of this war and the crisis that surrounds it in our home because, uh, because it's, it's happening in our second home. Mm. Um, what are you hearing from family and friends and ministry colleagues in Ukraine? Um, it, it's varied. I think uh, the information on the ground is is very scattered and and it's very chaotic from the things that we're hearing. Uh, have a lot of friends around the the Kiev area who have fled west. Um, the the west of, of Ukraine is is a very uh, very nationalistic uh, portion of the country. And, and so I think, uh, they fled into the, the place that they perceive of most security. Many of those people are now making their way to, uh, Poland and Moldova and Romania and to the countries surrounding Ukraine and, and are kind of taking the next step of, of fleeing from the conflict. Uh, you know, surprisingly, I think we're, uh, the Ukrainian people seem to be holding their own, uh, the Ukrainian army seems to be holding its own. Uh, but the biggest thing, Carmen, is the church is strong. And, and it's, I heard, you know, in your opening a, a, a bit ago when uh, you were playing, he will hold me fast and, and mm-hmm. you know, the Ukrainian church singing that. And, and I think that's, you know, that gives a bit of a flavor to the fact that God's people are still at work. Uh, they're still uh, bringing the gospel to bear in their culture. They're caring for orphans and they're caring for widows. And, and they're, they're really at this time doing the best they can uh, in, order to, um, in order to stand fast where they are or in some cases to, to leave and, and to protect uh, the most vulnerable in their society uh, through fleeing and, and becoming refugees. 
Tell us about um, Lifeline Children's Services. I mean, Ukraine's not the only place where um, obviously you are engaged and active, but help people understand what what is Lifeline Children's Services and where can people connect with what you're doing? Lifeline is a gospel-centered ministry uh, to orphan and vulnerable children. Uh, we began 41 years ago um, out of the crisis pregnancy movement, um, began by supporting women that were in crisis pregnancy, and our ministry just kind of grown from there to, to include adoption, to include family restoration, which also uh, has foster care as a part of that, um, global orphan care, and, uh, and an education and counseling ministry to minister to families who have uh, who brought kids from hard places into their home and into their into their family? We uh, we are in active in in 26 countries. We're active in 17 U.S. states. Have offices there. Literally work with families uh, around the country in all 50 states, and uh, and and have a long history in Ukraine. Actually, our our global orphan care ministry unadopted. Uh, the first project that, that we had as a ministry about 12 years ago was in Zaporizhia, Ukraine. And so this is a place both personally and, uh, and also in, in ministry that, uh, that just holds a lot of deep feelings and a lot of deep history. And we have many, many, many uh, just uh, very invested, longstanding relationships in Ukraine. Um, and that's part of what, what grieves our hearts. As far as what we're doing in the moment, uh, there's very little we can do to to intervene in the situation in Ukraine, uh, but we we can work in preparing for refugees and hosting refugees outside of Ukraine. And so we're working with partners in Romania in particular. Uh, the Romanian Church and, and Romania Without Orphans is doing an incredible job of, of being ready to receive people. Uh, just actually had a text right before we went on about 130 children that are that are being mobilized uh, across the Ukrainian border and and to safety in Romania that we're going to have an opportunity to be part of ministering to. And so you can actually go to lifelinechild.org, our website. There's a pop-up box that will, will pop up as soon as you get to the website. Follow that link and it'll take you to a little bit of an explanation of the things that are happening in, Ro in Romania. And there's also uh, an opportunity to be able to give to join the work there. All right, lifelinechild.org, lifelinechild.org. You'll see when you visit there this pop-up, Lifeline's response um, to Ukraine. And uh, if you click on that, you can find out more of what is happening specifically in Ukraine. Um, I have been to Romania. I've not been to Ukraine, but I w did an orphan outreach um in Romania in the year 2000, and it is now astounding for me to imagine that 130 kids are, um, you know, being moved from from Ukraine across the border into Romania and receiving care there as um, as orphans, and that makes my heart sing. I got to tell you, that makes my heart sing. We're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Rick Morton. He's the vice president of engagement for Lifeline Children's Services, and again. Um, you can visit and check out what's happening at lifelinechild.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and this is Faith Radio. As we continue to cover the events unfolding in Ukraine, we are thinking about the most vulnerable among the most vulnerable are children who don't have parents. Um, we tend to call them orphans. 
Um, and on the front line of orphan ministry in Ukraine and elsewhere around the world is Lifeline Children's Services. And again, you can you can find Lifeline Children's Services at lifelinechild.org. Joining us today, the Vice President of Engagement, also a dad to three uh, children who were born in Ukraine. Dr. Rick Morton is with us. Um, Rick, you know a lot about um, orphans. I mean, you've you've literally written books on this topic. Um, and you talk with a lot of people about this topic. You talk with churches. You mobilize families. I, I wonder if you are aware of and maybe could share with us the story of families who are in the adoption process right now and how um, events unfolding in Ukraine are disrupting those um, those adoptions. We have a family right now that was actually supposed to have a virtual court hearing on Friday uh, to, uh, to for to adjudicate their case to adopt a, a teenage girl from Ukraine. Um, their court case was not allowed to move forward because the city in which the case was supposed to be heard was under heavy shelling. And so literally um, that adoption process is, has halted. And that that's the story of literally dozens and dozens and hundreds of families. Um, the kids that are that are currently adoptable internationally from Ukraine are kids that have uh, special needs, very complex situations. They come uh, from large sibling groups and have really complex social histories many times. Um, there are, these are the the, the kids that are that are the least likely to be able to find permanence in in their own culture and this war is just making the vulnerable even even more vulnerable I think what's also troubling Carmen is that uh, that we know that the pattern of Russia uh, should Russia prevail in this conflict is is to cut off orphan care uh, and to cut off adoption to the West and so we very much know because we've seen this before we've seen it play out in Crimea that our ability to continue to work and continue to connect to the church and 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 to provide for uh, orphan vulnerable children in in their own community even is is going to be hampered and 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 hurt as a result of of what Russia is, is doing and so i would really call on the church to pray um, you know, we know Proverbs 21.1 that the Lord holds the, the heart of kings uh, in his hand and, and like a stream, and he directs them where, uh, where they should go. And, and so we know today that uh, as, as much as it's hard to internalize, Vladimir Putin is created in the image of God. Um, he, is, he is subject to our God, and, and we just want to pray that God will intervene and do something on behalf of the, the vulnerable and the voiceless in, in Ukraine uh, to, to be able to bring protection. Um, and that's most notably happening right now because of the church, uh, which is rising up around the world in order to care for these vulnerable people. Rick, uh, we talk a lot here um, about praying the news, like how as I'm watching someone on the television screen or on social media or I read their name in the newspaper and I see related photographs, you know, I encourage people to actually like say that person's name or even if you can't pronounce mm. it, just, you know, hold that name in your heart and in your mind, physically lift your hands up to God and hold that person um, you know, intercede for them before the Lord. These are places that most of us will never set foot. You have actually been to Ukraine 26 times. Um, tell us, like I likened Kiev earlier today in the program, just so people could get a mental, like 
imagine a place that they had been and walked around. Like we're talking when we're talking about Kiev, we're talking about a city the size of Chicago Um, and actually similar to Chicago in terms of it having a big downtown core, but also these concentric circles of of suburbs that, you know, stretch from dense to uh, to very wide open in terms of like farmland that's not that far away. Um, Talk with us about Ukraine, like walk us down a street or into a town, like help us help us go there. Well, I think Ukraine is a very diverse country. And so you have uh, you have Kiev, you have Lviv, uh, Odessa, several large cities that are that are very much like large cities in the rest of Europe. Uh, not unlike large cities here in the U.S., a lot of hustle and bustle, a lot of people, uh, a lot of apartment buildings, and, and a lot of people living in a in a in a very small uh, area. But you also have the suburbs, and and the suburbs are full of uh, single family homes, and they're spread out a little more, and 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 people have a little more room uh, to uh, to enjoy. And then very quickly you move into the countryside and and into um, into farmland. Uh, Ukraine is actually known as the breadbasket of the former Soviet Union, and so uh, there's there's a lot of agriculture, um, <clears throat> not different than than really we experience and and what we live in here in the American South, and and really uh, the people of Ukraine are a lot like us. I, I think. Uh, someone said to me earlier this week, uh, imagine if we were sitting here where I am in Birmingham, Alabama, and we got word that that uh, there was bombing and shelling going on in Los Angeles and New York and Chicago and Dallas and Atlanta. How how would we feel? What would we mm-hmm. do? Uh, what would be our response? And that's truly what the Ukrainian people are, are living out. Uh, I have uh, dear friends, actually two couples, who live uh, or lived about 10 minutes from the international airport in Kiev. They woke up on on Thursday morning uh, to the sound of shelling and had just enough time to grab a few belongings and their papers and drive west. Uh, they spent uh, more than 36 hours in the car just trying to, to reach family uh, in what normally is about a seven or eight hour drive. And, uh, and today, they are, um, they're trying to figure out what's next. They're trying to figure out where to go and, and where safety can be found. Many of the men are actually uh, taking their families to safety, and then they're going back because, because they're, they're going back to be part of defending their country. And, and I, I think that's one thing about the Ukrainian people, that um, they, they're a proud people. They're, they're a strong people. They're resourceful people. They've only been a sovereign nation for for less than than forty years, and and so um, they're they're going to they're going to fight, and and they're going to fight hard for a long time, and uh, and and I think we we've only begun to see really the toll that this will take. Um, war always makes vulnerable children more vulnerable. It always uh, produces orphans, and it deprives children of, of family. And and so we we are only seeing the very very beginning of what is what promises to be uh, a huge crisis and an opportunity for the church to step up and to put the gospel on display in the way that we actually tangibly care for the needs of uh, vulnerable children and vulnerable families. Rick, I'm wondering if in the uh, in the minute we have left, um, you want to invite people. To see God the way, to see God and to see orphans the way God sees them. 
It's like, right, there's this like relationship between God sure. and the most vulnerable out there and just help people catch that vision. Well, at, at the end of the day, Carmen, we were those orphans spiritually. Mm-hmm. We were those we were those people who had no no voice and no ability to be able to fix our sin problem. And and Jesus stepped out of heaven and came into the middle of our mess and and purchased our redemption and ultimately draws us to himself and introduces us into the family of God. And, and, and so when we do these, these tangible acts of, of, uh, of caring for orphans, we're actually putting a taste on the lips of the world of the kingdom of God. And we're testifying to the fact that there's going to be a day when Jesus is going to set all of this right. And there won't be orphans and there won't be widows. and There won't be lines drawn between countries and we won't fight over things that aren't ours. Uh, but until that day, what you and I can do is use both our words to, to share the gospel, but also our actions to care for the vulnerable, um, to show the world what the character of our God is, and, and ultimately to, to lead them uh, toward Jesus and, and toward really the only hope that they have. And that's, that's the thing I want us to remember in the midst of this about the, the crisis in Ukraine. Um, the hope is not the end of the war for Ukraine. The hope is the gospel. And, and we, we need to pray that the gospel goes forth and that this war doesn't, th- doesn't thwart that. Um, we need to pray that, that the gospel goes forth in the midst of um, trying and difficult circumstances. And so I think we pray, we give, and, and, and we ultimately use our voice to advocate, um, advocate that our government will do the things that are necessary in order to protect the vulnerable and reflect us um, as we seek to reflect the gospel into our culture. Amen. Amen. Rick, thank you so much. That's Dr. Rick Morton. You can find him at Lifeline Children's Services. Uh, Again, their website is lifelinechild.org. Rick, I hope you'll come back and join us again. Would love to. Thank you very much for having me and, and have a great day. Thank you. You too. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Thank you so much for including me in your day today. Um, Go forth this day and make the gospel visible and beautiful to others in Jesus' name. Have a grace day. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.